Welcome to Reels and Records. We're on episode four, and today we'll be discussing. I'll be talking to a microphone, but today we'll be discussing a favorite of mine that I only watched for the first time last year. Um, the 2004 film directed by Michael Gondry, starring Kate Winslet and Jim Carrey, praised as, quote, very strange, remarkably tender, wonderfully warped, and a modern artistic triumph, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. For a movie with very stunning and very eccentric visual components, a complementary score would be extremely difficult to curate. The movie is odd, emotional, maximalistic, chaotic, psychological, sentimental, melodramatic, melancholic. It's a romance and somehow a sci-fi. It's comedic, non-linear, with pretty experimental avant-garde filmmaking, at least in its inspirations. And somehow, you guessed it, the soundtrack manages to mirror that feeling perfectly. One letterbox review says, one of my favorite ever scores feels raw and sad and scary and foolishly hopeful and all the things you're warned about but run headfirst into anyways. You can't know about what's worth having or not until you've had it, by which point there's no way to imagine being who you are, surviving what's still to come without it. Pretty heavy for a Thursday afternoon. Anyways, the score is done by John Bryan, who has worked on movies like Punch Drunk Love, Magnolia, The Other Guy's Hard Eight, The Gambler, and a personal favorite, Lady Bird. I read an article by Tom Barnes called How, Eter How the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind Soundtrack Changed Music History, and I was instantly captured by this quote. Its soundtrack's influence has perhaps mattered more to music than the movie mattered to film. The article actually then goes on to talk about how Kanye West reached out to John Bryan after watching the movie, and then they made a song together, but I am not going to talk about him today, because that would ruin the whole atmosphere of the film, also ruin my whole mood. So, instead, let's focus on the section of the article that says that the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind soundtrack, quote, unexpectedly has become a persistent part of our modern musical DNA. How sick. How sick is that? Let's move on. The soundtrack is a mixing pot of Brian's composed pieces and an array of indie pop rockish songs. Some of the songs are Everybody's Gotta Learn Sometime, originally by the Corgis, covered by Beck, and then we have The Willows, Something, and I Wonder, and the polyphonic sprees, Light and Day, It's the Sun, Don Nelson's Some Kind of Shuffle, Nola's Bounce, and the classic, Electric Light Orchestra's Mr. Blue Sky, which is actually not in the film, but it's on the soundtrack and it's in the trailer. Um, so yeah, I felt I should mention that. This is a score that really follows the storyline and has a very distinct progression within it. And I almost decided to kind of go through them all chronologically as they play in the movie, but... You know, despite the movie being very far from chronological, but it seemed really time-consuming to do that. And I'm not going to lie, I had to put this together quick because I have midterms right now and had to do those. <laughs> but I'm still going to explain all of the narrative uniqueness and mastery of emotions in this film and how complementary the music is. Okay, let's talk about theme. First track on the soundtrack, and I think the first track in the film, pretty sure. I could listen to this song on a loop until the end of my days. It is so simple and calming. 
Another one of those songs where it can somehow turn super depressing depending on your mood. It features a very sweet, very simple piano melody, a very prevalent bass line in the lower strings, and recurring reversed synth sound underneath all of that, which is already coinciding with the film's meaning and plot so strongly. The whole movie is about the reversal of Joel and Clementine's memories of each other, and I love so much that it can be picked out of the underlayer of the soundtrack several times. It also has what might be a triangle or a vibraphone or something of the sort, which is really cool. Track two is the one and only Mr. Blue Sky by the Electric Light Orchestra, which I already said doesn't appear in the movie, only in the trailer, but being completely real, this is the most perfect song for the aesthetics of this film, and it shouldn't make sense, but it does. I feel like the visuals of the song work just as well as the coordinating instrumentals. Like I hear this song and I feel the oranges and blues and every other color that Clementine has dyed her hair before. Track three is called Collecting Things. This song has such pretty arpeggios, which naturally feels very dreamlike, which I think is, in terms of feelings, the very core of this film. The slow strings contrast the pizzicato double bass, and then those strings flow in and out of intensity, once again creating the musical equivalent of a dream. Not a very happy dream. It feels pretty sad to me, or at least numb and neutral. Next is Light and Day by the Polyphonic Spree. This is a song that I feel like I grew up subconsciously hearing everywhere, but at the same time, I'm not sure where I would have heard it. I'm clueless enough that if you told me it was Bowie, I'd probably believe you, which is probably so embarrassing, and I'm gonna put that information out on the internet without knowing exactly how embarrassing it is, but um, anyways. Light and day is more than you'll say Cause all my feelings are more I love how committed this soundtrack is to its theme of literal eternal sunshine. Songs like Light and Day and It's the Sun, both by the Polyphonic Spree. Um, and if they're not titled after sunshine, they likely radiate it in other ways. Track five is called Bookstore. This is one of my favorite tracks in the score. It follows the same pattern of instruments as most of the others in the film, especially highlighting those reversed synth-ish sounds again, which are so important. I think this song carries a lot of emotional weight, and it really drives this specific portion of the plot right into your chest. There are a couple of scenes in the bookstore, but one specific I feel like mirrors the emotion of this song, um, is the one where Joel goes to apologize to Clem with a gift and she's erased him from her memory. She doesn't know who he is anymore. And it's followed by one of the greatest transitions in cinematic history uh, where the lights go out one by one in the bookstore and Joel's walking through a door and suddenly he's back in his house again. And we're experiencing what Joel is experiencing because of this audible emotional persuasion to feel it. We hear Joel's feelings. We hear his thoughts running through his head. 
She's with a new guy. She's pretending not to know me. I just want to go back and fix things. What could I have done differently? What's even going on? Etc. Etc. The track mirrors every bit of the scene, from the realization to the sick feeling in your stomach to the desire to just go back and not being able to. Except for it's a sci-fi, so yes, they can. In this track, those reversed sounds just keep repeating and repeating, always back to where they started in the first place. And surprise, surprise, in this film, Joel and Clementine erase each other from their memories at least 15 times over the course of several decades. And each time they find their way back to each other and they do it all over again. Name a more genius storytelling tactic than that, because I cannot. Next, I want to talk about It's the Sun by the Polyphonic Spree and the way it mirrors the level of absurdity in this film that really just sets it apart from any other romantic comedy. I'm very hesitant to classify it as such, but ultimately it's funny and it's romantic. It's also gut-wrenching and depressing and soul-killing, but Google says it's a sci-fi rom-com, so... So, hey, whatever, you know. such a bizarre film, and I'm so glad it is. As much as I would be head over heels for an artsy independent romance film with a metaphor of being able to go back in time, the fact that they actually did it. It's the most triumphantly unique film I have ever seen. I've always felt like the best art is whatever is most unexpected, is as unexpected as possible. This film always proves it to me. Relating back to the score of the film, it is just, it's just so weird. It takes full control of the contrast between soft, sweet, elegant pieces up against musical delusion, overly exaggerated percussion, and diverse instruments pulled completely out of the blue. I feel like the beginning of It's the Sun showcases this contrast very well. It's so weird. It's so weird. I love it. next track I want to talk about is called Showtime, which relates very strongly to what I just talked about. The song is filled to the brim with a sense of dreaming, delusion, and lost memories, and it takes it very literally. The thing that makes this song so astoundingly unique is that portions of other songs in the soundtrack are laced into this song. These allusions to songs serve as the audience's memories as we associate these songs with the much happier points of the film where they're played. And now, here we are in Joel's and in Clementine's positions, where we are playing back through our distorted memories and reliving those fleeting feelings. In preparation, I read an article by Heather Fairs that said this film has an obsession with memories, which I feel like perfectly explains all of these layered metaphors, referring back to memories and the appreciation and loss of them. The wide, wide spectrum of emotions throughout the soundtrack, the switch from a depressed sound to a joyful sound, a calming sound to cacophony, it mirrors this 
motive of the mix of emotions life requires living through. Tracks like 11 and 20, Some Kind of Shuffle and Nola's Bounce, both by Don Nelson, are tracks that showcase the joy and positive side of memories and relationships. And on the complete other side of that, a track like 19, Phone Call, is so depressing, I feel like I'm going to throw up when I'm listening to it. So let's talk about it for a little bit. (laughs) Why don't we? (laughs) Phone Call is a song that keeps me up at night, hugging my knees, rocking back and forth like my dog just died or something. The way it instantly makes me rethink everything I've ever done, ever, and everything wrong in the world, and how stressful it is to exist and grow up and breathe. It's incredible what one minute and two seconds of music can do to you. (laughs) The song sounds like it was recorded directly from a vinyl. It has that perfect, calming, blissful crackle, and the grainy sound runs over the top of the entire track, which I think very effectively communicates the message of the song. First of all, it's called Phone Call, and the effect certainly resembles that sound, the sound of a phone call or voicemail. But also, there's so much weight in the idea of a phone call, a voicemail, even a record playing. The element of static in between two people. Two ideas, static in between anything in general. Eternal Sunshine illustrates the space between two people in a relationship. The widening and narrowing of that gap. The static, the silence, reverb, harmonies, modulation, dynamics, fluctuating intonation of a relationship. Track 22 is called Row, and I cannot express to you how this song makes me feel. I cannot do it. Row is just piano, and somehow John Bryan found a way to take 88 keys and 60 seconds to make something simple enough to stab you and heavy enough to heal you. I'm always at a loss for words with this song because I don't understand why it hits as hard as it does. I feel like it logically should not. You just have to listen to understand. I feel like the track is verbally weeping. Spotless Mind, track 25. Spotless Mind is a stunning song. It has layers and layers of this fuzzy, muted acoustic guitar, something similar to a guitar, each layer meshing in just the right way. And I also love that in the very last second of this song, it fades away pretty abruptly, of course, symbolizing the end of the journey, state of mind, spotless of any memory of Clem, good or bad. Before I talk about the final track, I want to touch on the use of the children's song Clementine sings to Joel while she's warning him not to make fun of her name on the train. Um, The lyrics are so loudly blaring their fate and it's genius use of music to foreshadow Joel's incoming experience. The lyrics being, Oh my darling, no oh my darling, no oh my darling, Clementine, you were lost and gone forever, dreadful sorry, Clementine. 
you're lost and gone forever, dreadful, sorry, Clementine. It's, it's, I feel like I don't even need to say anything else about this. It's too obvious. The final track is called Elephant Parade. Elephant Parade is so emphatically eternal sunshine and the spot was mined. I hear it and I see Clementine and Joel sitting side by side on sandy stairs by the beach and I see Joel's childhood house getting old as child Joel strangles child Clem with a pillow. It's a perfect ending track, perfectly curated for this depressingly gloomy, chaotic trip of a movie. The love and comfort this movie radiates is beyond me. I have no idea why it has the effect on me that it does. I think it's probably the scene near the end where Joel says, I can't see anything that I don't like about you, and Clementine begs him to understand that she he will eventually. And then a, the simple okay from Joel, the acceptance that whatever happens will happen and he will still be there. For a movie that is far past realism and is stranger than any romantic movie I've ever seen, it somehow captures the realism of life and the surrealism of relationships in a way I can't even begin to describe enough to capture the film in its glorious essence. And somehow John Bryan figured out a way to pinpoint and capture every single emotion on the spectrum of what this film covers. Nothing is like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Nothing can be like it, despite its a pretentious indie art film title. Which, by the way, I love. No hate to the title. What a fantastic title. That's all I've got in me today. I hope you liked the episode. That's the end of episode four. Oh my gosh, four. Yeah, I'll see you next time. See you, sort of. I'll talk to you next time. Hope your music hits extra hard until then. Bye. Oh, and um, if you want a hint for the next episode, episode five, uh, should I say it? Uh, <laughs> should I? Do, I should spoil it. No, I shouldn't. Should I? It's Call Me By Your Name. <laughs>